Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Renee Tease! Renee Tease! Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast. Your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, guys. Episode 428, Oscar Lopez in the house. We'll be followed in about an hour with the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football. That's Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach, breaking it down, everything in Finland, Sweden, WWCFL in Canada. We're also looking forward to the Russian season, June 12th here. Looking forward to the German, German season to kick off also this coming weekend. Plus, WNFC, WFA playoffs all this weekend. And the place to be is at the hub, facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. That is the place to be. Everything that's happening in the sport from the best network on the planet is at the hub. So don't miss it. Go there, like us, share it, comment. Thank you for everybody that's gone there. Almost uh, 9,000 followers out there. Really appreciate everybody going to the hub, staying up to date on everything that's happening in the sport. And uh, big news in the WNFC uh, just came out this week. It came out during the middle of the week. It was announced uh, during the All-Star uh, roster selections of the WNC on Vire Sports, and that was from Odessa Jenkins. Uh, Dick Sporting Goods is now the official nationwide retailer of the National Women's Football Conference, the WNFC, and they are uh, in for a great ride for 2023. Um, you know, Dick Sporting Goods nationwide get everything at Dick Sporting gets pretty much everything in terms of what a football player would need and seasons uh, on top of that. And also uh, that also kind of coincides with uh, Sam Gordon and the Under Armour uh, initiative for the uh, women's only cleats that, that happened a while back when we talked to Sam Gordon a couple podcasts ago. Um, so she's excited to do the clinics as well with UA, uh, excited to be partnering with Dick Sporting Goods. It looks like Dick Sporting Goods is now the national retailer of women's and girls' sports because uh, from what I'm reading and what I'm getting from some of the news sources, uh, Dick Sporting Goods has also partnered with the WNBA. So the WNBA is probably their biggest uh, flagship uh, league that they are promoting uh, also nationwide in terms of North America. And now they get on the football women's side, football, women's football, the WNFC, they're also going to be, I uh, believe, uh, notice was coming out. Uh, they are working to uh, uh, make an arrangement with the NWSFL, which is the soccer version of women's sports. So the big three labels in terms of uh, image 
is now at one retailer. So that, that man, that, that is huge for them to bring in girls and women uh, to their platform, to their uh, online sourcing, to their stores, and where they can get everything there in terms of female um, you know, attire, female uh, fitness gear, feet in the shoes, apparel, you name it. That is the destination. So uh, Dick Sporting Goods obviously understands uh, the importance of spotlighting women and girls in sports. And so a lot of the major leagues, women's sports major leagues, I would say, a lot of the major women's sports major leagues now have made an emphasis to kind of partner with Dick Sporting Goods with its volume, with its uh, basically online sourcing, everything else that's happening. It's kind of like what baseball, uh, the NBA, and uh, MLS has done with hooking up with uh, major retailers as well nationwide. Um, and let's say, for example, Fanatics. Uh, Fanatics is a major source for the NFL, the NBA, MLS. And so, uh, you know what? This gives the WNFC a, a different uh, level of branding. It also gives the WNFC a, li- a different level of reach ability because now uh, you have the WNBA and select markets where uh, – Girls and women can now understand that there is a team in town that obviously generates more, more ticket sales, going to generate more marketing. It's going to just generate a lot more awareness. So, you know, shout out to the WNFC leadership team. Shout out to Dick Sporting Goods and, uh, you know, their CEO for believing in women's sports. Uh, but that was the big, big news this week. So if you're at the hub, uh, it was breaking prior to uh, this uh, podcast coming on here. You can go to the hub, get the latest updates, everything that's happening in the sport from the best network on the planet. And I, when I say that, I say that with confidence. We are the best network on the planet because we have passionate people that uh, want to bring awareness to women's American football globally, and we network with uh, over 60 people to bring you the best source on the planet that exclusively covers women's American football. So doing it for almost, uh, I want to I say almost 20 years, 15, 20 years. So it's a, a lot of laboring but we are making ends roads over 9,000 strong in terms of likes and follows over 20 K in reachability. So uh, thank you for everybody that uh, is bringing everybody to the attention of women's American football specifically uh, and women's sports in general. That's what we try to cover on the platform as a whole. Uh, It's pride month. So uh, as you guys know, there's a lot of uh, the whole month that's going to be celebrated with the passion and what more passion that in pride month than celebrating two playoff marquee major leagues this weekend coming up, WNFC playoffs, East and West. It's in Jacksonville, San Diego, and then we have the WFA playoffs in each of their individual team markets. Uh, We'd be Boston, uh, Minnesota, and Arlington. So it's going to be a great um, playoff action in terms of the United States. We also have Sweden, Finland. Uh, We also have the WCFL up north. We still have FX uh, Mexico 8-on-8 uh, eight eight championship down south. Uh, we got everything that's covering up there, including X-League coming up here on June 10th. That's going to be Kansas City versus Chicago as well. You also get coverage right there at the hub, WFL, Lofax, plus LFM as well. So everything in the sport right there, that's where it's at. So it's uh, really awesome. Um, so don't forget to subscribe. Uh, onto our podcast. Uh, we're over uh, a lot in terms of Apple, so I really appreciate you guys uh, listening to us on Apple Podcasts exclusively. Listen to us on iHeart and as well and on Spotify. So it's uh, 
awesome that we're growing there. But Apple is our major platform, and that's one of the ones that we got to penetrate. Uh, we are doing great overseas in Europe, so it's really awesome to hear. And thank you for everybody subscribing, sharing our podcast as well, and listening to myself, Mark, and all our co-hosts, Mackenzie Brooks, uh, Terry Lister, as well as um, Nate Ward, and then um, the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis. So pretty awesome to do. All right, uh, we're going to dive into the uh, sport in terms of the news that came up this week, but also a lot of the stuff that's happening in this, this weekend. But uh, let me get my notes here because uh, where did I leave my notes? Here we are. Tide is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests. Not what I wanted, but that's okay. Uh, promo, uh, $5 free play on Monkey Night Fight. So if you guys go to Monkey Night Fight, use the code NJF, and you get started today. All right, no problem. Uh, let's dive into this. Uh, we talked about CAO uh, already. Uh, let's uh, dive into uh, Christy Elliott. I wanted to mention that Christy Elliott also uh, made the uh, Football Canada roster a really young athlete uh, out of college. She's now going to be participating. Um, she's going to be participating now in the um, Football Canada roster. So congratulations to her. Also, Jen Welter is going to be at the Pacific Conference for the WNFC this weekend. So it's going to be awesome. All right, we're going to be going into the Monkey Night Five huddle right now, and we're going to be talking to the legendary and talented all-world wide receiver, and that is Adrian Smith of the Boston Renegades. And then in 45 minutes, we're going to dive into Amanda Housen and her experience in the U.S. playing for the Mississippi Lady Panthers of the WNFC. So let's go into the huddle right now, Monkey Knife Eye Huddle. Don't forget, use the code NGF to get started. Fight is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Let's go into the huddle with uh, the talented Adrian Smith, all-world wide receiver. Adrian, how's it going tonight? Uh, everything's going well. How are you? I'm hanging in there. We're going good. Uh, just waiting for the playoffs here. WFA, WNFC, just big weekend. I know. It's a huge weekend for, for women's football. I'm super excited. Um, very, very focused and, and, and ready to, to take the field with my Boston Renegades sisters. Uh, Adrian, uh, no surprise that you guys are here. Uh, we talked about it from day one, even preseason. Uh, no surprise that you guys are here at this point. Um, you know, not that it's hard laboring, but uh, are you shocked that you got to face the Divas in the playoffs? I don't think anybody's surprised that you got to face the Divas in the playoffs. No, it's 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 not a shock. Um, you know, the Divas are a solid squad, so um, we anticipated that we'd be, depending on how things, you know, were able to shake out, it would be the, the Divas or, you know, the, uh, Tampa um, as being our, our opponents in, the, in our first round of playoffs. Uh, Adrian, uh, we were watching the, the the game against DC, and we were uh, informed on the air while we were watching the game that you were approaching a milestone. And then we realized, wow! When I talked to Mark, off you know, just uh, chatting back and forth in our uh, chat room, that uh, you were approaching over over five thousand yards, which which is like a huge milestone. 
not that not that you're old or anything like that, but you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> five thousand yards is you know that's a lot. Yes. So um, yeah, I, I'm blessed to have been able to play for you know over a decade, and the the game against DC was very interesting because apparently everyone else knew how close I was to breaking the all-time receiving uh, yards record for the WFA. Everyone knew except for me. And so, you know, I talked to the owner of the Renegades, Molly Goodwin, after the game, and she was grinning like a Cheshire cat and that she was like, you know, I was keeping it secret. Everything was just um, under wraps. And so I had no idea. You know, I'm just out here saying, what can I do to help my team win? How can I get the next yard? How can I get the next touchdown? And for for this to have occurred, to, to break the record, it truly is a humbling experience. And I've got to give thanks to the coaching staff, right, to the organization and to Allison Cahill, my QB, and to all of the women who've played uh, O-line and, and the other receivers who's blocked for me. So it really is a team stat. It might be my name on it, but you can't. You can't get yards without people blocking for you and without having an amazing quarterback who can get you the ball. Longevity is a big key. I, I know you talk about it a lot, and uh, staying healthy obviously is a key, right, because a lot of times uh, injuries hinder your uh, production. But uh, you've been able and been fortunate, like you said, enough to be playing with some talented uh, individuals alongside yourself and then obviously some, some of the – amazing coaches along the way as well with the different incarnations of the two incarnations of the renegades. But you know what, when you look at it mm-hmm. in the scope of the WFA, you know, when, when you look at men's sports, Adrian, everybody looks in the scope of the NFL, right? You go back to the thirties all the way down to, to now. Uh, but mm-hmm. unfortunately we don't have that. We have, we basically have a short window now. And if you look at it in that scope, right, this is the thirties for women's football, basically the thirties and forties. If you compare it to the NFL, and that's a, that's a huge thing because, you know, if, if and when you put them up and do not play any longer, uh, you know, we're going to reflect on this era of where, you know, awareness was building, where branding was growing, where the acceptance of women's football is a major sport. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like in, in, you're part of that infancy where we're going to go back and kind of reflect on your success uh, in terms of the building blocks for the sport to be brought to a higher level. Yeah, I completely agree. That's an astute point. And, you know, I feel personally, I feel a sense of responsibility. It's my job to, to train, to work hard, to, you know, to study the plays. It's my job to do everything that I can to assist the renegades in winning championships. But I also feel that it's my job to do everything that I can to propagate the sport to move women's tackle football forward faster and faster and faster. And so you're right. You know, women's tackle right now is where men's tackle was um, in maybe early to, to mid 1900s. And this, we are in kind of not just, not just the nascent stages of the sport, but where we're starting to pick up momentum. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. So as you were saying before with, um, Dick Sporting Goods coming on to support the WNFC with all of these national sponsors finally turning their eyes towards women's football. 
in giving us the support we need to grow our platform even more, it's a fantastic time to be playing football, and I'm excited about it. And I tell my teammates, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed to be playing at this moment in time, but we're also building a foundation for those five-year-old girls, those eight-year-old girls, those 17-year-old teens who are about to take that next step and start playing flag football at the collegiate level. I mean, it's all part of the process, and I just feel really blessed and, and humbled to, to be playing my role in, in, this, in this evolution. Let's go into that segue then, because I know you're a big supporter of the NIA, the Sour Sisters. Are, are huge mm-hmm. right now in terms of building that program in terms of the West Coast. You got, uh, you know, other players that are playing still in certain leagues, but they're basically kind of stepping away. But they're branching into the colleges in terms of coaches. Uh, you know, you got Fuller right. down south in Georgia. Um, you know, Grayson in the Midwest. Yep. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of prominent you know players that have played this sport for a long time. You know, 12 to 15 years, but now they're stepping away into. I think in more so when I talk to Grayson and Fuller this is more of a fulfilling mission than their own playing time mm. because uh, to your point, they're, they're basically breaking a barrier and also creating a path because they've experienced the mm-hmm. sport at a higher level. They've all played in championship level football and to see, yep. you know, Braves athletics at the, uh, at the stadium, the, um, the Ben stadium in, in Atlanta mm-hmm. and for the Atlanta Falcons to kind of kickstarted. And I know Kay, uh, Kay has been a big part of it, too, in Georgia, you know, building that program, getting an acceptance of having everybody kind of buy into it in terms of uh, what I mean flag football in terms of the girls scene out there. But you were mm-hmm. there, you know, with, uh, Wel- with Jen Welter uh, for, you yes. know, the NNIA championships. And, I mean, to have it spotlighted now as a kind of like I want to say traditional, it's getting traditional, especially for NFL flag, because NFL flag before to me was kind of just like, one of these things that the NFL does just to give you a little couple, a couple minutes of your life. Right. But now I think with Russell Wilson coming into the picture, owning that division, Mm -hmm. I I think the the focus has shifted to getting the girls and the, and and that their attention that they need as well as the boys. And I really, that I Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge achievement now, but I mean, can you speak to the, just the NNIA in terms of what, you know, uh, what the sour sisters are doing at that level? Right. So I was at the NAIA uh, Women's Flag Football Championships in, um, in Atlanta uh, a few weeks ago. So it was like uh, May, I think, 12th, 13th, 14th, something like that. Um, I'm in partnership with NFL Flag as a Females in Flag ambassador. That's why uh, Welter was there as well. And so it was really, I mean, it was a heartwarming experience just something that I will never forget because to me it was, it was akin to, um, you know, the, the nascent stages of women's basketball, NCAA basketball, where it had just started. And, and the fact mm-hmm. that this year is the 50th, the 50th anniversary of title nine. And now we've got collegiate level flag football for women. It was huge. And the talent that I saw out there, I was just so excited. I mean, I had my cleats, so I just wanted to run out and start running routes and catching passes for some of the, the amazing quarterbacks that, that were out there. Uh, it took all my energy and strength just to be on the sidelines and clap and cheer. I wanted to play so much. Uh, but it's definitely a shift. And to see what Liz and Katie did 
with uh, their team. Shout out to the Ottawa Braves and shout out to um, my friend Clara, um, who played for them. To go back to back is is a tremendous feat. And again, I think it's very important for us to consistently set standards of excellence and to be examples of how well and how skilled we are and how passionate we are for football. And the fact that the NAIA has established this, it legitimizes everything that, as you mentioned, a a lot of the um, women's tackle football players who are making the shift over into flag, it legitimizes our passion and how we are taking an active part, an active role in establishing, establishing this pipeline. So, I mean, the, 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 the tide is rising. The level of play will continue to rise. I'm just so excited about what's going to happen, not in the next 20 years, in the next two years, in the next five years. I think there's just going to be this amazing shift, and it, it's, going to be, it's going to be a blast to watch. Now, I've talked to a couple people already. They're excited when the SEC jumps in full bore with full broadcasting. <laughs> Uh, I think they're excited, you know, to see just one conference in the NCAA, you know, just jump on board, and, and that will blow up. You know what I mean? The, just the fact that you get like, one conference, like that major conference is an example, the, uh, the SEC. You get the SEC to, blow, mm-hmm. to get into flag football and blow it up in every school in the SEC, you, you're going you're gonna to see a huge volcano type effect. You know what I mean? The, the, the fact that it's going to be just major. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, the, the JUCOs uh, have, have jumped on board, too. So you've got the junior colleges mm-hmm. coming in. It's, it's just a matter of time. That's all. And it's not a long time. You know, we're not talking about another 100 years to sit here and wait for equality. And that's why I'm excited, because it's, it's increasing so rapidly um, that I, don't, I, I can't put any dates or times on it. But I think before we know it, we're going to see the NCAA come through. Hey, Adrian, uh, the fact that you got yourself, Welter, you got Jackson, uh, you know, just, just a bunch of uh, – a small group of you guys that are just uh, putting yourselves out there in terms of face and notoriety, but the, but the fact that you guys are so skill-related, you know, fundamentally uh, focused in that mm-hmm. sense, I think really speaks volumes to uh, all of you as a unit, you know, Phoebe as well overseas, uh, mm-hmm. The fact that you guys want to put this on the map, you know what I mean? That it needs to come to that level where you guys have, you know, your resume, in other words, speaks for itself, reputation, you know, in terms of championship caliber. And, and when you start, you know, mm-hmm. diving into each person, Fuller, Grayson, you know what I mean? Everybody comes from a background where it's an achievable thing or it's a situation where all of you have had championship success, in other words. Yes, and I, and I think it's very interesting you bring that up because I believe that it's, it's that type of championship mindset that is propelling us to take these roles and to, to really, you know, not just enjoy the successes that we have had and, and go off into the sunset or just head to the beach and, oh, that's it, but we still feel an obligation, and in that and using that verb, there, there are no negative nuances attached to that, like an, an obligation, a duty, a pride, a sense of pride in having effect, like having 
a role in growing the sport. And again, not taking decades for it to happen, but let's move swiftly. So you have your Welchers, you have your Angelicas, you have, you have your Phoebes of the world. And we are, you're right, we're concerted. We know the, the scope and the breadth of what we've achieved as players, and we want to magnify that for other women and for girls coming behind us. And it really speaks volumes to the impact that you guys have made so far in a short period of time, as you were mentioning before. I mean, you guys have been on this program for, what, 36 months? I think the last time I talked to Steph Jackson, it was probably a, a, a three-year uh, milestone in terms of the NFL flag scope of things. Uh, but you've spoken to us in the previous podcast about professional flag, uh, you know, bringing it to another level. Once it gets to the, uh, you know, the level of pro in terms of the flag scene, you said that would be a game changer, and it's it's starting to evolve there. Absolutely, we've got the um, the Birmingham games coming up uh, this summer, which will be pretty much it's a precursor, right? It's a little appetizer, wetting people's mm-hmm. um, appetite for having flag football become an official Olympic sport for 2028. I'm sure we're all aware that you know Nike has put their their resources behind it. The NFL is putting its resources behind uh, that goal. And it's, it's like, like anything else in this world. Once you sprinkle a little money on it, that changes everything. Just imagine that now, you know, a five-year-old girl can, can, can be growing up in a, in a time where she's really good at flag football. She could actually make a living playing flag football. I mean, it's similar to what we've been able to see in modern history in the last uh, few decades. It's similar to what happened with the WNBA and how, you know, basketball just used to be, oh, well, they would only allow women to play half court, right? Oh, the female body's too delicate. Women cannot run mm-hmm. the, the full court. And now women are dunking. Now women are doing, you know, they're shooting from half court. It's, it's just the, the level of play has increased dramatically. And it's gone from, well, women cannot do to, you know what, we have a bona fide pipeline from elementary school to middle to high school to college and now to the WNBA and then also to other countries uh, around the world where women can play basketball at the professional level. So I think that model has been set. It took a while. It took longer than most people will have wanted. But the thing is, none of us were around in like 1934 when the NFL women's tackle was just getting started. None of us were around in like 1960, 63, whatever it was when the, when the AFL and the NFL merged, right? So we're just here today assuming that all of these sports leagues that have been around, some of them for 100 years, 75 years, assuming that the women's side should have that same level of success in two years. Right? How come there's this disparity? Well, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's go back to 1932. You know, let's go back mm-hmm. to 1961 where these male athletes were working their regular job and playing football on the side. So I think there has to be a little balance, and we just need to remind ourselves that a good <laughs> – if you want to build something great, you have to spend time on that foundation. It will take a while. Like it's the difference. My mom would always say it's the difference between, you know, a home cooked Thanksgiving dinner, which is taking hours upon hours, 
or you want to pop something into the microwave for five minutes, but yeah, it's a microwave turkey. Yeah, and we also have to kind of consider the 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 difference between the two, right? To your point, the men's game didn't explode until they got broadcasting, which was the late 70s, the early 75, Correct. 76. They got broadcasting. So the moment I think that our sport gets start, starts to generate broadcasting will be at that initial WNBA level, right, the first three years of the WNBA. Mm-hmm. But I really think mm-hmm. we're in a different era, which is more, more uh, flexibility for us than it was in the past. Because you, you, you go back in the day between us 10 years ago, you know, before we had social media, you're, you're doing things to try to get, you know, something on print, right? Something in terms of a magazine, in terms of a newspaper. It's no longer that way anymore. It's, so it's a little bit easier in that way to get your word out, but you also have to be strategic about it. So I think in general, the sport is growing, uh, you know, with, with certain platforms. You got Roku for the WFA. You got ESPN2. Um, so there's interest now in terms of just women's sports in general and content for women's mm-hmm. sports than there wasn't before. And I think, uh, you know, the, the flag bearer would be the WNBA in terms of the United States. And then you got to put yourself into, uh, you know, the NWSFL, which is kind of big in mm-hmm. certain East Coast markets. And so now, you know, I've talked to you, you know, Odessa, I know Odessa, talked to Odessa n- n- numerous times. And, you know, her aspect is the same as yours. It's just a penetrating mode, right? So we're football. Yeah. They got soccer. They got basketball. Now we're football, right, in terms of the women's sports. So you have to penetrate as a, as a sports unit for them to see value. Once they see value, they saw value in basketball. They saw value in soccer. Now they'll eventually see some value in football. And I think that's literally the message now. I agree. I agree. And I, I think you hit it spot on with, how broadcasting is so powerful because you, people don't know what they don't know. Like they, no one can truly say, Oh, I don't like women's tackle football. You haven't seen it. So how do you know? That's like saying, well, I don't like a, a certain flavor of ice cream and you've never tasted it before. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, yeah. I'm really excited about the WFA championship being um, broadcast live on ESPN two on July 10th. I think that will be a game changer for the first time we will have national exposure on a linear network. So those who know about women's football, yes, they will be tuning in. But more importantly, those people who are just scrolling through on that Sunday, just scrolling through, you know, their their guides on their TV and they come across us, that's what I'm really excited about. Because we'll be able to get exposure, we'll, we'll be able to engage with the, the, the person or the, the people who didn't really know that we existed. And that's what's very powerful. And you're right. We are seeing it this year especially. I mean, I'm watching the, uh, the Women's World Series, and I think the latest data that came out was, was like, these past couple of games are the most watched games in, um, like, Go UCLA, a decade. Adrian. And then – Go UCLA. I'm going to tell you right now. Go UCLA. Say again? I'm going to tell you right now. Go UCLA. UCLA. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, UCLA. But like they have over twelve thousand fans at this at this this stadium that was specifically Oklahoma. designed in Oklahoma, Adrian, in Oklahoma, the little state in the Midwest of Oklahoma, packed. You know what I mean? Yes, it's, it's, packed. It's, that's, that's impressive. Packed, packed. because and, and this stadium was literally designed for this purpose. It was designed for softball, and it's it's the, it's the old adage: if you build it, they will come. 
So, I mean, what, less than, not even five years ago, I'm sure there were a bunch of people out there saying, oh, there's no way you could even get, like, 7,000 people to show up at a, at a college uh, world t- a softball series. And now there's over, you know, 10,000 doing that. So it's the same thing. And you're right in, in terms of the age in which we're living, social media is, is an exponential magnifier. It will help the women's game grow faster than, say, the men's game could back in the 60s and 70s because just information took longer to travel. So we're in, a, we're in a perfect time. I really feel like this is a sweet spot. We're in an inflection point for women's tackle football. I, I just, I'm, I'm raring to go. You got me pumped up right now. Like, I need to be winding down, but I'm like, I can hit the field right now and play a whole game. I'm ready. Maybe I'll do some push-ups. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, 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 no. You you do what you do. I'm not going to stop you. I know you've <laughs> other people on other podcasts stop you what you want to do. You want to take a break and do push-ups right now? You're good. It's not a problem. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> I'm tossing the football around <laughs> right now. That's, that'll get this, this extra energy um, out. Adrian, so SI did a feature on you as well, and they've done, uh, you know, a, a nice feature on it. Can you speak to that feature that was done on you that we have it at the Hub so everybody can dive into it? You just click on it get to see uh, Adrian's piece right there on SI.com. Yes, that was um, – I'm just so appreciative to have been selected. So uh, Sports Illustrated, in conjunction with a platform called Empower Onyx, they did a series where they're focusing on, you know, 100 influential black women in sports, and I was honored to have been selected. Uh, and it was a, a prime opportunity for, for me to do what we're doing right now, honestly, to, to talk about women's football, to talk about the strides we're making, um, the hopes for the future, and, again, getting the word out there, getting, just getting information, spreading the word about who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going. And I don't know if a Sports Illustrated is such a huge platform, so – the response has been tremendous, and um, I really want to help. I really want to use the momentum that I'm receiving to push the game even uh, even more. All right, uh, Adrian, a uh, lot of feedback. Us, uh, we appreciate you. Um, badass photo shoot for Team Milk. So uh, you know, shout out to you <laughs> and your photographer and everybody out there. So uh, we want to just uh, thank you for an awesome photo shoot. You look badass on almost every photo shoot that's pretty cool so whoever took oh, that photo okay. or did the photo okay. shoot man they did a pretty good job in terms of uh you know getting you out there spotlighted and if everybody missed it at the super bowl weekend uh front and center team milk and she was all over billboards in la so <laughs> yeah i i really want to give a, a shout out to uh to milk to uh, milk pep that's the official name of the, the company the organization that is behind Team Milk. And for them, again, you know, seeing, seeing the, the, the change that was on the horizon and saying we want to do something different. So leading up to the Super Bowl, saying, hey, you know, women's football is a thing. Like, we should, we should highlight that. We should bring to the forefront that there are other giants among us, right? It's not just going to be the men mm-hmm. playing in the, in the game in the stadium in LA, but we've got some ballers on the flag football field. We've got ballers playing tackle football. 
And, you know, shout out to Luis Pena, who's the, the director, the photographer, and just his entire team. Uh, they treated us like royalty. The, the whole process was absolutely amazing. And, and all of us, you know, Joe Overstreet, Jonah, um, Lois, we, we all just, again, were humbled and so excited to represent what we felt like was just the, the whole army of women and girls out there who love this sport. And so for the first time in like a concerted effort, a concerted campaign, bringing our sport to the forefront and at such a, um, an inspirational time during Super Bowl week. It was, it was absolutely phenomenal. All right, uh, Adrian, uh, a couple years from now, Grandma was on the billboards at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? You're going to tell that story. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. What did, absolutely. what did Grandma do? Oh, no, nothing. She just, you know, she was at the billboards in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's no big deal. No big deal. Right. <laughs> I love no, it. No, I mean, it was, That's funny. I it love was it. a huge thing, right? It was a huge thing to see, like you said, to finally get uh, what better place to do it than at the biggest men's stage, right? That's a huge deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Uh, Radio Row uh, in front of Los Angeles, the big, one of the biggest you mm-hmm. know, uh, metros in the world, and at, the, at one of yep. the what, elite stadiums on the planet. Uh, uh, there was just yes. a lot of like, yes, 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 right? Everyone was like, yes, this is yes. happening. And we were blown away when that came out. You know, I was blown away when you guys were uh, actually introduced to the Team Milk and Lois Cook and yourself mm-hmm. and, the, on the, and the, your, your, uh, the cohort. But I was even mm-hmm. more blown away when they said, hey, we're putting them on billboards. And that's like another yes. level. Yes. I mean, Milk, they really planted their flag in the sand. And it was, it was really about, hey, they, they said, we're taking a stance here. We're taking a stance here. Um, we're going to give women and girls in football a major platform. And you're right. I mean, it was Super Bowl week in Los Angeles. The billboards were placed strategically around uh, the, the stadium, the neighborhood that the stadium was in. Uh, and it's dream come true. Like, not even a dream come true. I didn't even dream about something like this. And again, it was an honor to be leading that charge and to, again, I always say to my teammates, to set that standard of excellence. So Jonah, Joe, Lois, and I, I mean, we came, we came to the photo shoot. We were prepared. We were professional. Um, we were creative. Uh, you know, flexible in terms of what they needed us to do because we knew how important this moment was, right? We knew that the results of this campaign, of the Team Milk campaign, the results of working with the four of us, it was going to inform the rest of the industry. So there was that added weight, that added pressure, but the four of us were, were definitely willing to, to take it on. Um, because we, we have all invested so much of our lives into the sport, and we, we want to see it continue and grow for others. All right, um, Adrian, uh, let's, let's uh, end it here. I know you got to go and you're busy, but I really appreciate you making the time for me, as always. Um, NFT, Absolutely. Uh, nobody knows about NFT except for what Tom Brady and what he's putting out there about his own NFT. <laughs> but NFT space... <laughs> And Web3, um, you, you, you hooked mm-hmm. up with, uh, I believe, some partners with, uh, from what I was uh, listening to a couple of podcasts that you were on. 
Um, so we're not trolling you or anything, mm-hmm. but we do pay attention to you. Uh, but uh, there was, you know, obviously some space there. And, uh, and you had talked about on a previous podcast how, you know, it took you a while to kind of figure out uh, what this, uh, you know, in- industry was going to be about. So can you speak to a little bit mm-hmm. about the NFT and the, and the Web3 uh, type initiatives? Right, absolutely. So I encourage everyone, go to gridironqueendom.com and click on our, our NFT uh, webpage. It will provide way more information than I'll be able to give um, in this, this limited time that we have. But as an entrepreneur, I'm always trying to stay on top of what is new, what is now, you know, what is next. And NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are kind of a, a new um, asset class. So it's basic, basically you have a digital asset. And it can be a photograph. It can be um, a, a short video clip. Uh, but what I wanted to do was create the first NFT collection dedicated to women in football. And so the first collection, the first GIQ collection, NFT collection that we did is the based on the passing touchdown card from my Blitz Champs card game. So, again, if you go to gridironqueendom.com and click on the, our NFT tab, you'll find information about that. Uh, and the next NFT collection I'm looking to do is something um, that's going to have more of a, a real-world aspect to it. It's pretty cool. I can't get into too many details. I'm in talks with uh, a possible sponsor right now, a uh, company to, that, that I want to partner with, but it'll be something forthcoming. And, you know, I'm, I'm dedicating 10% of the proceeds from all of the NFTs that we sell to supporting organizations like Jen Welter's Gridiron Girls, uh, to the Boston Renegades Foundation, to the Utah uh, Girls Tackle Football League. I really want to be able to make cash infusions into these organizations that are doing the right work, that are providing opportunities for girls and women to learn the sport to play the sport and to improve their skill set in football. Now we talked about uh, NFT and a lot of people don't know about it, but uh, I, I think if we break it down by just a basic level, it is basically uh, back in the day, which some of us are old back in the day, it would be like a, a panini trading card type of design, right? Like baseball card type deal with the, mm-hmm. with the genuine. Uh, there's a po- poster, but nowadays it would probably be a video in that, in that aspect, right? So it's basically yeah. uh, a, a real asset that you can own. It's a one-of-a-kind type of asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is limited, right, uh, Adrian, where it's like it's only going to be Correct. run for that amount of time and it's never going to be issued again, as an example. So uh, it's very uh, unique in a way, but also, to your point, it is a, it's a one-of-a-kind type of item. So uh, it is uh, giqueendom.com, uh, and then you look, uh, look at the tab at NFT tab, right? Right, so Gridiron Queendom spelled out, and then click on NFT. Or you can just type in gridironqueendom.com forward slash NFT. Uh, but, yeah, that's a right. great analogy. So it is, it is similar to trading cards back in the day. But now it's digital assets. It's just yep. digitized. And I think it's more efficient that way because, you know, back in the day, uh, you know and I know, we had to go to, a, what, uh, seven different retailers, and then and you're fighting everybody at the counter. And then you're trying to look for the number <laughs> system, and, right? And and, and the, the, the great thing about NFTs, 
<laughs> right. And the the great thing about NFTs is that the the um the chain of ownership is maintained on um the blockchain, which is like a, a yeah. network of computers worldwide, so that you can see, okay, you know, this is this is a legitimate NFT. It was created by this project. You know, I'm purchasing it, and then if I sell my digital asset to someone else, then the blockchain has recorded that yes, what I possess is authentic, and now I'm selling it to someone else. Yeah, back in the day, we had to go to a, what did they call it, the local retailer guy, <laughs> the card retailer guy, and he would be the one that uh, vi- visualized that, right? If it's secured uh, in a nice little casing or a, a plexiglass casing, right. it's actually legit and it's not damaged or uh, worn, right, in that sense. Uh, that was back in the day. So That's now you, you avoid all that. So you only have to do is, like you said, validate it. and uh, When it transfers, it, it revalidates itself once you do the actual transfer. Mm-hmm. So really interesting that you're working on that. Um, hopefully we'll get, you know, the, uh, the team milk on an NFT type mentality. That would be cool to have, um, you know, to have, you know, the first, first couple uh, players like yourselves impactful for the sport in that sense, um, come out on a NFT type of uh, line. So a lot of things that you're doing, uh, people don't realize um, about, you know, what you do on the, on the side besides football and what you do in terms of your other endeavors and businesses. So, uh, all-around athlete, world champion, multi-time world champion, and, uh, of course, you know, always on the go. And like you said, Bliss Champs, one of the, of the best games you can have out there for educational purposes uh, as well uh, for schools and everything else. And now you're doing NFT with Web3. So um, I don't know what you cannot do, Adrian, is the question that most people would say. <laughs> what can you not do? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I cannot color in between the lines. Like, I almost failed kindergarten. Really? <laughs> I can't. That's I'm, your problem? Yeah, I just. Wow. Yeah, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, t- oh, kindergarten class life. would not be good for you then. <laughs> no, I, I always joke. I tell people I'm, it was a good thing I was I was cute with a great personality because that's what got me through kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Not that's good awesome. at the arts and crafts. Right. Well, we, we, we have a secret, and that's your secret. So everybody knows it now. That's yes. <laughs> we know the- Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> Don't tell everybody. Um, so Adrian, always entertaining to have you come on. Uh, wish you uh, continued success as always. Stay healthy. Safe travels. And uh, you know what? Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Kick ass. Uh, we have a lot of fans on our page that admire you and that follow you as well, and they're looking out for what's new uh, with you. And so we always appreciate you coming on and keep, uh, giving us a little, um, a couple minutes of your time and let our fans know exactly what you're out, uh, all about. And this weekend, all about balling at Boston, That's D.C. That's what we're at right now. And I know you're focused this weekend, so uh, this is – uh, one of the biggest rivalries, if not the biggest rivalry in the WFA. And I know mm-hmm. DC is up for this. And uh, the Renegades, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but us, media, and everybody else, we we figured you'd be here. And also Mark, who's always here all the time. He knows that you guys are going to be here. Right. Right, right. Well, uh, we – we work hard at that. Like we don't take that for granted. And I hear what you're saying about, we, you know, figuring we'd be here, but it is on our end, the, 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 our, our foot is on the gas pedal. Like we are serious about football. We are serious about studying film. We are, we're, 
almost OCD, if not like anal, in terms of making sure routes are, are accurate, blocking is accurate, defensive schemes are accurate. It's a, it's a group of um, perfectionists that we're working with um, because for us, again, we want to elevate the game. We want to show how well women play football. So no excuses. Um, if you make a mistake, you better make up for it somehow. And, uh, Adrian, the, the fans got to see the international backfield, and they'll get to see it live this weekend. So I hope DC's ready because, uh, I mean, that international backfield is scary. Not, to, not just yourself <laughs> and that line, but them backs are scary. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Shout out to Tutti, uh, a.k.a. Freight Train from uh, Finland, who is just really just ready to just run through brick walls, trees, trucks, it doesn't matter. And then roof size doesn't matter, Mata, um, from, from England. They're absolutely phenomenal, tremendous additions to the team. And like I said, again, it's that Boston Renegades mentality. As soon as they landed in the country, they already were on top of our plays and just were immediately able to jump in from the first minute of practice. I'd never seen anything like it. They just came in raring to go. You, wouldn't have, you would have thought that they had been with us since January. But it's that level oh, yeah. of commitment that, that enables us to, to execute in the way that we do. Um, yeah, I, I'm so happy to have them. And then also J.J. Uh, Salas from Finland as well coming in at the – she's playing the, the Y and the Z, so she's got a couple of roles there. So uh, it's been tremendous to have our, our international players help us out. And, Adrian, uh, I don't know about you, but we follow it globally, and you picking up them two uh, – I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but them two are like superstars in their own country. So, <laughs> and they're going oh, to the Renegades. <laughs> How's that happen? <laughs> We we know well you know like attracts like and and I get it That's true. they they want they they're the best in their countries and they're like okay if I'm good here I want to see if I'm good over there I want to see how well I stack up next to the best and that's why they they went to Boston. All right, guys, you guys are going to get to see it. I believe Revere TV will be covering it. So Adrian Smith, yes. Boston Renegade, you're going to see Cahill on top of that, and also uh, Kusinin and Mata live front and center. So uh, don't miss it this Saturday, WFA front and center. The playoffs begin. The road to Canton starts this Saturday. Thank you, Adrian, for coming in. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to another chat. And uh, we are looking forward to seeing you in Canton, of all places. And I think everybody's rooting you guys on again. Appreciate that so much. And as, as I've said before, and I will continue to say, thank you. Thank you so much for what you do to elevate the game, for the platform that you've created for us to be able to talk about, you know, everything that's going on, where we want to go. You are an integral part in our success. So thank you so much. Thank you, Adrian, for that. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to this weekend, safe travels. And uh, we'll see you, uh, I believe, in Canton. That's our hope. And uh, this weekend starts with D.C., so looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Talk soon. 
All right, guys. Adrian Smith, all-world uh, wide receiver, Team USA multi-time champion, WFA multi-time champion, Team Milk ambassador, uh, NFT entrepreneur, GI Queendom owner and founder. Uh, I guess I can go on and on. And WFA all-time receiving champion in the WFA. Wow. What a resume. So uh, check it out. Uh, SI article right there at the hub at facebook.com for slash gridiron beauties. All right, guys. We're going to go into the second Monkey Knife Fight huddle. And if you guys got, haven't gone to Monkey Knife Fight, go to Monkey Knife Fight, U.S. only. Check it out. NBA playoffs tomorrow. you got MMA, PGA. It's a prop-based uh, platform. Easy. $5 free play on us. Use the code NJF. Get started. If you get the prop right, uh, let's say, uh, you know, how many uh, three points can Steph Curry make in a prop? And if you guess it right, you're going to make $15 on our free $5 free play. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, use the code NJF to get started. We're going to go into the second Monkey Knife Huddle, and today we're going to be talking to international superstar and Queensland pioneer and quarterback of the Mississippi Lady Panthers, and that would be Amanda Housen here in a second here. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget, guys, NBA uh, finals start tomorrow. You go to the Monkey Knife Fight, use the code NGF, get your $5 free play, and get some winnings. All right, let's bring in the Q- QB of the Lady Panthers of the WNFC. That is Amanda Housen in the house. Amanda, thanks for making the time. Appreciate you coming on. No, thanks, Oscar. I appreciate you having me on. All right, Amanda, uh, everybody wants to know, how was this USA experience in Mississippi? Um, it was pretty awesome, actually. I mean, it, it's something that I know I personally wanted to do is come over to the U.S. and, and, and play football over here for some time. Um, so it, it's like everything. It's just you, all your cards need to align, obviously, at the right time to be able to do it. And um, after COVID seasons and everything, it, it's so great that the world has opened up again to be able to provide us with the opportunity to come over and, and, and play um, with the WNSC and certainly within the U.S. It's um, like almost no words can explain how fun it has been to play football again after having a year off. Um, and above that, being here in the U.S., competing against the best talent in the world. Now, Amanda, you started the season sort of a backup role, and then all of a sudden Regina, uh, you know, midway through the season, and then all of a sudden now you take control in the last uh, half of the season. So how was that transition for you in terms of, uh, you know, getting that starting role uh, as a full-time quarterback of, and towards the end there? Look, it, it was a bit of an adjustment, obviously, coming over. You always come over as, as a quarterback and you want to be QB1, obviously. That's everybody's goal that, that when you come over, obviously, you want to compete for that starting role. Um, Regina is a phenomenal athlete, and, and I'll say she's, like, you know, um, one of the best, if not the best athlete in the WNSC, and, and, and I'll say that hands down. What I've seen her do at training and on the field is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but we're two completely different players, obviously, and two completely different quarterbacks, so we bring something completely different to the Mississippi Lady Panthers. Um, and obviously the coaches 
were looking at different options throughout the season. You saw a little bit of, obviously, Regina took the reins at the beginning um, and, and saw, like, you know, different spurts throughout the season. Um, Regina did go down with a bit of an injury, um, which gave me an opportunity to really, at the back end of, of the year, to step up and, and really drive home the rest of the season. Um, Amanda, the Kansas City matchup, really kind of a game changer in terms of us looking at you guys uh, from out here. Uh, it was basically one of those moments where that could have been the playoff def- you know, moment, moment for you guys. You beat Kansas City, more than likely um, you get into that ranking where you're in the playoffs. Uh, how did you see that Kansas City game in, in terms of changing maybe the trajectory to the playoffs? Well, the expectation and, and certainly the roster – uh, for the Mississippi Lady Panthers, in my opinion, provided us with, as a minimum, a 5 and one season. Um, so for us, the, the Kansas City game was something that we went into where we fully expected that we would not only compete, but we had the better, like, you know, at times, they had the better athletes um, to certainly be able to compete and take us and get that win. Um, unfortunately, due to a number of, like, you know, in-game decisions and adjustments and, and personnel and, and, and different opportunities, um, it just... It didn't come up for us, unfortunately, this year. Um, and certainly, I, I agree with you. Is, is I think that was the determining factor between us going um, to the playoffs and unfortunately ending up with a 3-3 three and three season. Towards the later half, uh, I know what you're all made of. I know what you're capable of because we've witnessed you in Queensland for very many seasons, and we know what you're, you know, how tough you are. Um, it was kind of interesting to see you break out into a more of a pocket quarterback, but, you know, your arm has always been beneficial in a lot of ways, where in Queensland we really saw you more muscle. In other words, you know, uh, between the tackles and get more roughed up. Now it just seems like you and Ida were having some of, uh, somewhat of a good connection in terms of, you know, uh, passing back, staying in that pocket and really focusing on that throw. And you had some opportunities there where towards the end of the season – uh, the connections were almost there. I mean, in terms of, like, it was just kind of like you guys were in sync. Absolutely. Um, Ida is an absolutely incredible athlete. And, um, she plays, obviously, both wide receiver and also defensive end. And uh, she's somebody that, that she's one of the, the couple of girls that certainly um, I found that was very easy to throw. Um, number 15, Kaimisha Andrews, was amazing as well. Um, had some, like, you know, in the Atlanta Phoenix game, if you have a look at some of the throws that I threw to her, um, also, obviously, Regina Jackson throwing to, to Regina is um, something as well. She can go up and get the ball. Um, and I appreciate the kind words, um, Oscar, obviously, around what you've seen me do in Queensland versus obviously coming over here. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I probably was underestimated um, not only from some of the coaching staff but also, like, you know, on the field around what I could actually do both like you know, as a running quarterback and, and, and obviously passing outside of the pocket, I always felt that some of my best plays are the ones that were breaking down because I had vision that could see outside of what obviously the play was intended to do. Um, but in saying that, I came over to learn more about the game and, and to develop myself. Um, and it was actually quite fun to have teach myself how to, to, to be in that pocket a little bit more and, and to be able to throw those balls. Um, so for me, it was working on my passing game <clears throat> has been like you know, a lot of fun. Obviously it helps develop another angle of my game um, and continue to, to develop. So I'm hoping that I can take that home and obviously hone in on that. Um, but, but in saying that my favorite game, I think I played this season and, and it was only 
Um, probably one drive in particular was the Atlanta Phoenix game. Um, to me, that spread offense and that style of, of offense um, was certainly like you know, my bread and butter. Um, and that drive in itself was probably one of my highlights of the season. No, and, you know, we saw that in, in a lot of ways, uh, how you developed and how you matured in that sense in terms of the pocket. Uh, at the beginning, there was, I think, one game where you guys were having some difficulties in terms of just the center exchanges, and they were just, you know, on the line. you got to get used to that. But once you guys matured into the second game, you, got, you start to see it in the, la- in the last two games where you were a little bit more comfortable. You were actually, um, you know, eyeing everything, and, and you were able to, you know, connect with certain targets and, made more uh, offensive efficiency. So that was a kind of refreshing to see. Uh, not that you're, like I said, you can't escape and you're not you know, able to run, but it, it just seems like uh, when we had Regina in there, Regina basically was kind of targeted a lot, and we already, all, already know she can escape. It's just the fact that it was shut down. And with yourself, I, I think a lot of the teams kind of like didn't realize that you're able to stay in there and really uh, deliver, right, the throws that you needed to, th- to deliver. Uh, because they were under the assumption that you guys were going to play the maybe the RPO mentality where you're just going to you know run the same way Regina was running, and then they kind of realized I guess in the last like in the last few games I think a lot of teams realized that uh, you you were able to you know find that receiver uh, without having to you know run out of the pocket. Absolutely, and I think I mean good on every team that played on on us because they've done their homework. Um, As we said earlier, Regina is an absolute athlete in itself. So um, she can rely on herself to get outside of that pocket and make plays. But um, in my opinion, obviously, I brought something completely different in in that. And I could, like, you know, get out there and and look at the way that a defense was standing a little bit different from my experience and, and knowing, obviously, different plays that were being called that, uh, whilst I knew that when it got down to it, I could use my legs if I needed to, but I, like, in my my decision at the time was let's spread the ball, let's start to make them question it. And then at times I would get the opportunity, for example, both in Atlanta, I think, and Philly, um, and also the last game in Houston where I was able to use my legs to score some touchdowns, uh, which obviously created those lanes because we'd obviously opened up that field um, and started to get those passing from there. So um, for me, obviously, it was a bit of a different route concept and, and, and certainly throwing, obviously, to new people, which, as, as you alluded to earlier, you could see, obviously, as the season went on, timing, more practice, those kind of things developed, which obviously made um, like you know, my connection coming in with, with each of them um, significantly better. Um, you also obviously alluded to the offensive line, um, we had Haley and Liu that came in from Australia, so you brought two new girls to a five-man line. Everybody was still adjusting to, to what that team was and that particular group in itself, where they started from game one to where they ended in, in, in um, like, you know, game six to me. Um, they were just outstanding. I was proud to stand behind them. Um, they gave me the time, um, and they also, like, you know, obviously helped me develop and allowed me to have become that pocket passer that people saw. Yeah, and I think your your game evolving uh, in that sense, I think surprised a lot of people. Like I said, because people, if you saw if they saw you uh, from your uh, Aussie game, they would assume that you're obviously going to be running it right a lot more. But they don't realize that obviously some of the Aussie games were seven on seven, nine on nines, and and this is more elevens. And I, I think that your your transition basically into the elevens game this year is, is a lot more potent in terms of the WNFC because. In the East Coast, on that side of the coast, 
everybody is throwing, right? Everybody, you know, Langley's throwing. You got uh, uh, Billingsley's throwing out there in, in Alabama. You know, Bushman in uh, in Texas. So it, it's on the on the Atlantic side. Everybody has a proficient quarterback to throw. So if you're not throwing and you're not, you know, generating offense and converting first downs, uh, you're really going to be in a world of hurt, especially if you're going up when you're going up against Texas. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think diversity is a big thing on offense. I mean, if you can run the ball well, then obviously you can continue to do it. But the thing is, is if you have always run the ball well, then offenses are going to shut you down and find a way to be able to do that. For example, um, against Texas and certainly in the first half, our defense was absolutely amazing. They were a standout all season for us. Um, and they shut down Texas's run game, so they had to go to the air significantly more. Um, it was the same thing with us, is, is we are a run-heavy team, um, and you could see that from, from film. So people started to shut that down, and you could see that the gap opened up significantly when we went to the air. Um, and as you said, obviously, as, as games developed, it became a lot easier because timing routes, practicing, it, it just developed from there. And as you said, the Atlantic Conference is... Um, I have watched the Pacific games, and don't get me wrong, I think every athlete in the WNFC and every team is, is fantastic. Um, but definitely I think that the Atlantic is superior. Um, Texas Elite um, certainly are a very well-disciplined team, but the one thing that I certainly took from playing them this year is that they're not um, as scary as I expected them to be. Um, it was nice to be able to, at times, find gaps. Um, like, I won't lie, it's pretty exciting to say that I threw the first touchdown on them in the regular season in three years. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting to say against the best team um, or the three-time defending champions in the WNFC. No, and uh, Regina talked about it when we had her on here as well. Um, to your point, uh, it's, 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 if you consider them above you, then you've lost, right? If you consider them as equals, then you have a chance. So it's it's you have to go Absolutely. into the game knowing that you have you know the same potential that they have and not give up and and you guys fought hard for the first half and you guys kept it really close in the first half so that was very impressive to see and and to your point uh, they are the benchmark so if you're if you can't get up for them then obviously you know you're not going to be at that level and when you get you when you have a defense on your side that held them down to a certain amount of points which you guys did and you guys were able to score on them as well. So that's very uh, very nice for your program in terms of offense. And then between you and Regina that game, it just seems like, you know, they, they were expecting her to be the target, and then they kind of just, they you you know, your coaching staff threw a wrench in there when they put you in there like center center, and they kind of realized, okay, this is a totally different ball game for us. Absolutely. And, I mean, everybody, I mean, one of the reasons I came over to, to the U.S. to play is to play amongst the best in the world and certainly obviously being the home of football um, here in America, obviously you know that you want to go toe to toe. So you don't want to come over and and just play the team for the sake of winning. You want to come, I mean, we all love to win and and don't get me wrong. Obviously every game we go in to win, Um, but you want to play the best. You want to make sure that your program is competing against the best and also obviously putting the best product out there. And, if you're being able to compete against somebody like Texas and you're going to be taking the fight to them um, and also thinking that you're, like, you know, in some ways have better better game of, of, of proficiency, whether, as you said, obviously on defense or on offense, um, then certainly I think that 
you're winning from a program perspective. And I can't wait to see where the teams continue to push over the next couple of years because everybody is pushing for that top spot now. Um, we've seen over the last couple of years, obviously, um, San Diego came last year, obviously put up a good fight in, in the championship, the, the nine cup last year. Um, Alabama, Texas game in the last couple of weeks, the, the 21 to 20, um, like, you know, they're pushing them. Um, again, obviously our first half, it was 14-7. Um, but like always, is, is offense needs to continue to put points on the board um, to be able to ensure that you're not leaving defense hanging out to dry, whether it's throwing interceptions or three and outs, those kind of things. We need to make sure it's an equal and balanced game. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen in the second half of that game. But certainly when you look at that first half, you know that we've got the roster, the talent, and certainly it's, it's just fixing the small things to continue to, to be able to compete and like, you know, hopefully in the future beat them um, to become like, you know, competing with that top team and certainly playing in the nine cups. And a lot of the teams have the same sentiment you have right now is that the opportunity is there and you, you have the opportunity, especially in the Atlantic, if you have Texas Elite more than once on your schedule, uh, that is the benchmark, right? You go into the preseason, you go into the first game, you're rusty, but once you get into the, the real uh, core of the season, if you're going up against them, it, it sort of tells you, you know, gauges you where you're at. Um, Amanda, let's talk about uh, next year. Are we venturing back to America to, com- <laughs> to finish what we started, which is, you know, to take down the big beast in Texas? What, what's, the, what's the thought process so far? Uh, look, I'm, I'm still here in the U.S. at the moment. I'm, I'm traveling. I'm lucky enough to have, have my husband here with me at the moment. He's come over to visit. So we're just um, enjoying the sights of, of obviously, um, the U.S. And I'll head back to Mississippi next week to enjoy um, spending time with my teammates and the likes and obviously um, be able to, like, you know, enjoy my last couple of weeks with them. So I think that decision I'm going to have to make when I get home, um, I'd, honestly, I'd love to come back over. I'd, I'd love nothing more than to, to be based out of the U.S. to continue to play football. I mean, it's, it's an absolute dream. I love playing over here. Um, as you alluded to earlier, obviously, in Australia, we, we run different variations, whether it's nine aside. I have been lucky enough in Queensland to play 11 aside. Um, but to, to play against, as a quarterback, obviously, to continue to play against, proper defences that are running proper coverages, whether it's two, three mixed coverages, um, obviously pull-out blitzes, all of those kind of things. It's definitely something that, um, like, you know, I train my brain, my football IQ. The idea is to get better and you only want to be, like, you know, continuing to play against the best. So um, it's definitely not out of the cards, but um, I also like my full-time job. Um, like all of us, we obviously still have to earn a full-time wage and, and, and work. So unfortunately, I need to work out... Um, what they will allow me to do in that sentiment to be able to come back. But it, it's definitely um, something I do want to do. Yeah, and we look forward to uh, if the probability is there to see you once again and uh, maybe the opportunity under center for Mississippi to finally take that over-the-hump deal, right, against uh, the elite Spartans. So uh, that's a future hope. So we'll hope that happens. Um, Amanda, you were also chosen – uh, on the uh, all-star uh, capacity for the Mississippi uh, Panthers alongside um, Haley, right? And it's, uh, I don't want about your name. Is it Luanga? Is that her? Can I pronounce that? Did I pronounce that? Yeah. I, call, I call her Liu because I also don't want to uh, butcher her name. Okay, so, yeah, Haley and Liu. Um, so, Liu, yes. yeah. Let's say Palu and Tagaloa um, Smith. I'll go with that <laughs> so I don't have to 
Absolutely. Unfortunately, they won't be protecting me. They're on Team Supreme for the All Pro. Um, but no, yeah. it's very. Well, you can't get everything, Amanda. Obvious. I'm sorry. You no, can't I get know. everything. <laughs> I know. Um, but no, it's been like, I mean, obviously, All Pro was not something that I was expecting. Um, certainly, obviously, only having played as many snaps as I did this year. So um, it was obviously very honoring to be able to get that call up. Um, and I'm really excited about that All Pro weekend, not only to be able to obviously play with, with all of the other 100-plus um, girls that have been picked for All Pro, um, but also to, to just see, like, you know, the level of football and talk to, to some of the other girls that are playing, what their programs are like and, um, like, you know, what they're doing, like, you know, outside of football season and, and, and just to, like, you know, talk football with more girls. Because I have to admit, that's probably been one of my favourite parts about coming over here in, in, to the US has not only been um, the four other Aussie girls that, that I came over with, with Hayley Liu, um, but obviously Shiloh and Renee Hahn as well. Um, it, it's certainly for me been, like, you know, extending my football family um, and being able to enjoy it. The girls from the Mississippi Lady Panthers um, were so amazingly welcoming to all of us. Um, Southern hospitality is absolutely the, the realest thing I have ever, ever seen. Um, and just, like, you know, they're generally amazing humans. And then on top of that, they're even better footballers. So, um, for me, I can't wait to expand that football family and, and enjoy not only playing one more game this season because it's heartbreaking not playing in, in, in Jacksonville this weekend. Um, so, getting that opportunity is, is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, I know last, uh, last year's weekend was huge. Now it's a little bigger because you you got uh, you know Jerry Jones involved, Dallas and Frisco and the some of the NFL capacity there, so it's really nice to you know get to be in that environment and just the growth of the sport in the U.S. The excitement with the flag football and everything that's happening with in terms of girls tackle football uh, in, in terms of the scope of the sport is also really nice. Um, so yeah, no, I wanted to bring you on because. Uh, I know you're leaving soon, and I, I want to make sure that, you know, we get you on and give you some spotlight here, especially with the, the season that you had. And it was a really nice season with Mississippi. Um, you know, you were obviously one of the premier global quarterbacks that we watch in terms of uh, overseas as well. And it makes it kind of nice to get a perspective of what your journey was. Um, anything that you learned outside of football in Mississippi, and we're talking about, like, maybe food or, uh, you know, I don't know, did you square dancing or was there something that was different? Um, honestly, the U.S. is just completely different to Australia. Um, I think that, that one of the biggest things um, for me was guns, um, gun laws here. Um, and I know it's probably a, not a great topic to be talking about here at the moment in the U.S., but in Australia there is zero guns. So um, having been in, obviously, both Mississippi, um, having driven into Texas and seeing the open carry law, um, that's been very intimidating itself. Um, the food has definitely been an interesting one. Um, I'm not the best of, of people that will go out and try new things, but from what I've heard, um, Mississippi crawfish and the likes is fantastic. So um, it, it's definitely been an interesting journey. But I think for me, as I said, it, it's probably the culture of Southern hospitality. I think it reflects very much within um, the Australian culture. Um, so if anybody wants to come to Australia, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, hit me up. Um, I'm pretty sure that we can provide you with the same southern hospitality, obviously, that, that, that comes with what you may get down, down in the south and in Mississippi. So. 
No, it's gonna, it's interesting uh, the different dynamics in terms of the cuisine, in terms of uh, the atmosphere, right? Um, things like that. It's uh, way, way different than when when you come here from overseas. From a lot of people that tell me, you know, it's a different mindset as well. Accessibility of food also is kind of like a different type of mindset. And then obviously we have a what they call a an obesity epidemic. So there's always something at the grocery store that can throw you off off your kilter in terms of your fitness regimen, and it's a very easy thing or to getting, do. Oh, oh getting Whole Foods is my favorite place to, to shop, oh, obviously. It's, sure. it's the closest thing to what we had to a supermarket. And um, learn a lot about how your chicken is processed here as well, which um, is, is quite intimidating, obviously, in itself. But, no, it's, it's – um, I mean, I, I love the U.S. I love – like, you know, I'm just – uh, as, as excited I am, obviously, to play football here, I'm, I'm a little bit upset that our, like, you know, the NFL season doesn't carry in close, obviously, around. It'd be great to stay here and obviously watch some great games and um, understand what Sunday football really is versus waking up at 4.30 on a Monday morning to watch football. So um, I'm, as I said, grateful for the opportunity to be over here and, and to be able to uh, like, you know, experience the culture, the food, um, and, and obviously above and beyond all of that, the people. Yeah, it's a different mindset. Uh, the southern southern part of the country, as you can tell, very passionate football fanatics in terms of college. So it's a, a very hotbed for college football all the way around Georgia uh, and all those places. So, yeah, it's interesting to see that. Um, so you're uh, you're hanging out, uh, sightseeing with the hubby, and then you're going to get ready for what, for Texas, and then you're branching out at this point after the, the weekend, the nine-cup weekend? Yeah, pretty much. So I'm down here in Florida this week um, just exploring. I've actually, um, like, you know, football family is real everywhere. Is uh, through my club at Griffith University um, when I was, like, you know, a club administrator. I think it's very similar to what you would call as an ownership structure. Um, in, in Australia is um, one of the, the gentlemen that came across to play with us. We called them imports um, from America. Is I'm actually staying with him this week in Orlando um, just to catch up with him, obviously, because we, we had him stay in our home for, for six months. So we thought we'd come back and obviously see him. Um, I'm heading up to watch the playoffs in Jacksonville um, this week because there's going to be some pretty epic um, football matches there, obviously, in the WNFC versus the um, like, you know, the two playoff games on Thursday and then the Atlantic Conference there on um, Saturday. So looking forward to, to being able to see all of that and, um, like, you know, be, be a part of more football over here. All right, Amanda, I really appreciate you coming on, making the time. I know uh, it's been a kind of a nice season for you guys as well. I I wish you safe travels back after the uh, All-Star event. Uh, thank you for uh, helping us out with our branding and uh, bringing awareness to women's tackle football on the international scope. And uh, are you guys going to have a, a Queensland season? Is this still, is still a go for Queensland or not? Uh, I'm not 100% sure at the moment. I know that at the moment they're, they're recruiting um, quite hard and, and obviously uh, with the women's outback, uh, and sorry, the World Cup that's happening in, in uh, July, yeah, July, um, that they have pushed back our start date of our season just a little bit to, to ensure that obviously the, the, the girls that are competing over there can come back and, and certainly get some reps in with their local team. Um, so I'm fingers crossed that 
we are going to have a season. Um, it was heartbreaking, obviously, last year not to, to get up a women's division um, to compete. So fingers crossed that we will get it. So um, if there's anybody listening here in the US or even globally that's looking to play, let me know. Um, we could always take some more numbers, obviously, in, in Australia to help boost our numbers. Um, but no, I, I'm hoping that we will get something up and running this year. Unfortunately, because I've been um, over here in the US, I did step away from... Uh, Griffith University Thunder uh, in in the GQ season. Um, So I haven't had my finger on the pulse like I usually have throughout the year. So I'll probably wait until I get back um, after the All-Pro so I fly out that week and and probably head down to a training session and just see how, um, like, you know, the number's going and and fingers crossed that we can get that across the line. All right, Amanda, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Thank you for the time. Uh, It's an honor to speak to you as well as one of the pioneers in – Gridiron Australia. Uh, looking forward to the uh, Outback team and see how they fare this uh, this time on the international stage in Finland. So I hope you're excited. Uh, the roster looks like it's a little different roster than it was in the first time go around, but there's a lot more interest in terms of some of the big talent over in WA. Uh, majority of it's on the roster now uh, with the, with that, and then you got Queensland, New South Wales. Um, so a lot of the you know in terms of uh, the different aspects of of uh, you know, leagues in Australia really up for this time to get to get to uh, the Outback roster. I think that's going to make it more uh, more efficient this time around, a lot more uh, more better. So it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, the Outback team competes on the international stage in terms of uh, on in, in in Finland at this time. So interesting to see you know how that whole roster will click, uh, and looking forward to seeing how it will evolve and what, where they finish. Absolutely, and I mean, for me, I'm excited to see a lot of the new faces. I mean, um, Gridiron in Australia is, is riding definitely a wave at the moment of, of ups and downs, depending on where you are across the nation. Um, it's so amazing to see WA where they started a few years ago and, and certainly the development, both obviously the number of teams that they've got, um, as well as the, the absolute athleticism and talent. I've been lucky enough um, through my work to, to travel over to WA and train with uh, one or two of the teams. And, um, like, you know, their passion is, is just like any, any of ours over on the East Coast. So um, I think that you'll see a lot more um, of the names and the girls, not only from an outback, but hopefully you'll start to see a few of them look to come over and travel to the US and, and certainly compete at this level as well. I think that there's... In Australia in general, there is an immense amount of talent um, down there. And, and certainly I know personally my my views from, from having played over here in the U.S. this year is we can compete against any of, of the teams and, and certainly make an impact, um, both obviously from a football IQ and, a, and then also on the field perspective. So um, I definitely am very excited to, to watch. Don't get me wrong, I'm probably going to get FOMO um, for watching the girls in Finland, but um, I can't wait to see how they develop as a team. Um, I'm very excited. I kind of know a bit of the offense and, and the life that they'll be running. So um, I'm very excited to see how they execute and um, like you know, the next level that they take it to this year. Yeah, really interesting to see how uh, Outback uh, women's team does on the IFAB level. Thank you again, Amanda. Enjoy your uh, stay in Florida. Uh, looking forward to your uh, all-star performance in the uh, Nine Cup playoffs weekend and uh, safe travels back home. Thank you so much, Oscar. And as um, I probably exactly what Adrienne said in, in, in the um, previous one is, 
I know I've certainly learned a lot of football around the world, certainly women's football through what you have done in itself. So um, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate being able to be a supporter of the No Joke football brand. Um, and more than anything, you giving us a platform to be able to like, you know, have this conversation tonight and certainly um, continue to, to build that. So thank you for all that you do for us. I appreciate that. Kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, safe travels. Looking forward to your performance at the All-Star Game. And then uh, hopefully we'll see you back in the WNFC in about a year from now. So looking forward to see if that news will come about. But uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. No worries. Have a great night, Oscar. All right, guys. Uh, Amanda Housen, uh, one of the uh, pioneers of Gridiron Australia football, uh, quarterback of the uh, Griffith Thunder champions in Queensland as well, and the quarterback of the Mississippi Lady Panthers. So uh, really awesome player. What an amazing uh, story there and uh, almost evolving. I think if she would have started the season, we probably would have seen Mississippi maybe in the playoffs, but, you know, it, it just didn't turn out to be this way. And we're hoping that she will make a return to the States and, uh, you know, and see her once again in the WNFC one, one more time. All right, let's bring in the Oracle of women's tackle football, and that would be Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach, into the fold of things here. Uh, Mark, we just talked to uh, Adrian myth you which you know very well and uh we talked to amanda housen here and so uh both athletes uh one internationalist superstar the other one world superstar in a lot of ways um so just a awesome hour yeah yet they are both pioneers of the game in you know in different ways but uh they're certainly uh they're adding to the game right um they're uh, making the world of women's tackle football, you know, smaller so that more people um, across the world, around the world, uh, can get involved in it. And so, so that's, really, that's really great. I, I certainly hope that we do see um, Amanda Hausen come back. I, think, I kind of feel like we will. It seems to me like um, most international players who come to the United States and get that taste of, of competing over here uh, really have a hard time not coming back. So um, hopefully we'll see her again and, um, and uh, we'll see her in the WNFC next year. We hope. Uh, Mark, you know, she started to click. If, it, if they would have won that KC game, I think it would have been a different story, right? They started to click. They played a very, to her point, like she said, they played two quarters of really good football. Uh, against Texas. So, I mean, she got a taste about how to beat the big team. So uh, maybe she comes back. Yeah, you know, it will it, be hard to turn around and walk away knowing that. And it was so hard this, this season, you know. It, it's another shortened season. Only six games, you know, it, when you don't get into the playoffs like that, you you, you you know, you must wonder a little bit, like, well, you know, what if we just had like a couple more games under, you know, under the belt, you know, um, so you know, maybe next year uh, she'll be able to get a few answers on those questions. Yeah, um, so we're looking forward to see if she'll return. Um, and we have some sad news, Mark. Uh, we 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 had the sudden passing of Philadelphia Phantoms um, standout. Sire Foreman, number eight. Uh, that was the news that was uh, announced this uh, past couple of days. So a very talented young athlete uh, in her 20s. 
Uh, we didn't we didn't get uh, no uh, feedback on what happened, but uh, you know condolences to her family and the Philly Phantoms. We also had another uh, incident uh, that happened. Denise Duran, a running back for the Thunder Girls of the WFL, uh, also passed away. Um, and we don't we don't have the details yet, but uh, our condolences to the Thunder Girls and to the Philly Phantoms for their teammates um, on their passing. Uh, yes, I echo um, every sentiment um, that you've made. Uh, condolences to the, the families and, and the teams. It's been a pretty rough week, and I think we've had our more than our fair share of, of sad news like this this year. Um, so, um, you know, everybody just, you know, cherish everybody, everybody that's in your life, um, everybody who yep. makes it better, uh, while you, while you have them. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta cherish the moment to your point. Exactly. Cause, uh, things happen and, um, and things just, uh, change out. But, uh, you know, uh, Philly Phantoms and Thunder Girls are, are like, like I said, we're our condolences. Uh, to you, uh, to teammates, and to the family, to the squad, uh, on the passing of Denise Duran and uh, Sire Foreman uh, in, in that light. Um, uh, Mark, the the cha- the matchups are set. We talked about uh, D uh, D one the pro division. Um, I think the keys to Boston against DC will be their consistent backfield play. Um, you know, I think they they have what it takes to do this. Um, what will D.C. need to do, Mark, to uh, upset your renegades? D.C. is going to have to score early. Uh, it's one of the things that they'll need to do because, it, it, you know, if they fall behind by a couple of scores, um, it just makes it so much harder because uh, Boston is so hard to stop. So, you know, if, if, if D.C. can even, like, uh, get on the scoreboard first um, – that that will that will help their cause, um, and they they got to find a way to, uh, you know, stop the run. They can't stop the run. Um, it's it's just gonna you know it's gonna be a long night. Um, if if they can um, somehow you know stretch out that field, um, uh, keep Mata from um, you know getting you know getting to the next level. Um, stopping Kusinin, you know, which, you know, we're talking about pretty hard tasks, of course, but, uh, you know, limiting uh, Kusinin's forward progress um, and get Boston into third and long, um, you know, that'll increase their chances as well. Of course, we know Boston is, I mean, they, they will just find a different way to kill you, right? They're, they're just killers. So even on the third and long, you know, you have to contend with, um, you know, a slew of different receivers who can get you and, and Cahill who can deliver the ball. Um, and not to mention a coaching staff who could catch you off guard and do something expected on you. So um, it's, it's definitely a, a tall order for the DCs to come out on top against Boston, but um, certainly <laughs> – they have to get their offense going uh, right away uh, because, you know, if, if, if they can't be, you know, putting up points on the board, um, they just don't have a chance. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I, looking at stats this week, uh, the, their only impactful player or a couple of their impactful players 
one of them is their international import, uh, uh, Olivu, uh, Anesthesia, Anna. Um, and then you also have uh, G- uh, Geneva Davis, and you all, what do you have? Uh, I think it's Johnson, Kucheria Johnson. So I think those are the three players that must make an impact to try to, to, try to stop uh, the uh, Renegades' offense on the air attack. On the bottom, of, you know, in terms of the run game, to your point, that's a more difficult task. So if, you'd have to force Cahill to throw on almost every down for them to even get an opportunity for like an INT and, and a game changer. And given the fact that they don't do that often, except for the red zone, it's, it's going to be a very hard task for uh, uh, D.C. to win this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, that, that running game will um, – it just it, – it's punishing. Uh, it, you know, tires out your defense. If, it, it's that so self-fulfilling prophecy. If you can't stop it in the beginning, it only gets harder to stop as the game progresses. No, and and that's the that's the key. Can they do that? And it's I mean it's it's kind of blank in this way. But you know if you're listening to us divas, uh, there is an opportunity to for an upset. But you got to play your best four quarters of the whole season in order for you to have that uh, you know that chance to win, and that's uh, that's a tall task to ask. Oh, definitely. But you know what? You know they got in the playoffs, and um, so. You know, it, everybody's record is zero and zero right now. Um, and, you know, this is what you play for. This is the kind of game that, that you know, you play for. So um, everybody's taking this game seriously. I don't think there's any there, – I don't think there's anybody who um, thinks that the outcome is already determined. So um, oh, we're definitely going to see uh, players fighting hard um, come this weekend. Yeah. On the Arlington side against uh, Cali, we talked about last week about who we will see. We will see Wiggins, which makes a big difference under center. And if we do not see Wiggins, then Arlington, uh, which is Ricks, Thomas, they're able to take the game over here. Um, They're a good lethal combination. And uh, add uh, Gabriel, Ken Gabriel on there, add uh, 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 Korea Williams. Uh, So they uh, are loaded in terms of an offensive Potency, and once they get going, as uh, Coach Brian Wiggins of Houston says, once they get momentum, it's very hard to stop them. So, which version of the Cali War is the better question? Are we going to see? Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think we have a pretty good handle on you know who the impact are. Um, you know, they're second in rushing yards per game. We know that they can roll up those rushing yards um, pretty quickly. We know that they're very tough. Um, and we've seen some of what the Cali War can do when they have a passer who's on on top of their game. They've got very very dynamic wide wideouts that can make big long plays. They get you know I think their receptions are um, average uh, are some of the longest here in the league. Um, you know, we've got um, uh, Ninocha Cloud, 28, you know, almost 30 yards per catch, all right? I mean, that's that's big. Uh, Brianna Barrett, you know, 21 yards per catch. And those are among some of the, the top um, players in WFA Pro. 
and um, they're both top five total yards receiving this year. So we know that they can get loose, they can make catches, and they can run after the catch. Uh, it, it's as you as you said. Um, it, it, the question is, um, who's going to be throwing the ball to them? You know, is it uh, is it is it going to be Chantel? Uh, clearly, I think she's the the quarterback that best puts Callie Warren in position to know, Mark, win. I know Salerno is no longer there, and Salerno was somewhat impactful in that first game, a couple games, and now I uh, my my news telling me that, that she's no longer there. So it only leaves Chantel or Jamie Robinson. If you're going to start Jamie Robinson That's- against Arlington, uh, <laughs> if you're Callie War and you're Coach King here. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a great thing to work with. Uh, but you know what? You have Barrett. Barrett's probably the, the most productive player on their team in terms of a dual threat. And you got Washington. So if Wiggins plays, to your point, there, there's, there's some uh, uh, versatility for them to use against uh, Arlington. You also have Cloud as well. But uh, it's Washington, yep. Barrett, and then, uh, Cloud if uh, Wiggins plays. If Wiggins doesn't play, Wow. That's gonna be big news for this matchup. Yeah, it'll hard. It'd be hard to know really what the offense looks like uh, if 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 Wiggins doesn't play. Um, you know, are are they gonna stick with the same game plan? Are are they gonna try and pa- pass the ball downfield um, in in the same manner they would with with Wiggins in there? You know, are they gonna do something different? Uh, you know, they have athletes. Um, can they can they use them right way? in the right situations. Um, that's the question. Uh, you know, consistency with the war has been the big question, like over this season and um, the season past. So, yeah, um, it, it, it's hard to make a prediction on this without really knowing um, who's under center. It's a, it's a real big deal. Yeah. I'm, I'm edging uh, Arlington if, if Wiggins doesn't play. I will give Arlington the edge if Wiggins doesn't play because they got more they got oh, yeah, more, uh, more potential. Um, Boston, I'm, I'm penciling them in. I'm sorry, DC, but I'm penciling Boston in at this point. Uh, Mark, Minnesota, Nevada, uh, big big rematch here. This is for the next step to the road to Canton. Uh, Coach Chris Garza knows this. The Minnesota coaching staff knows this. Uh, uh, I think this is the game not to omit the other two games that we just talked about, but I think this is the game that we're going to be watching. Right. I mean, I, I really love this. This is the number one and number four team, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and we don't, you know, it's too close to call, basically. I mean, can you want anything more from, like, the, the one and four bracket? Uh, that's awesome. Love it. I absolutely love it. I I, I now, really have no Mark, idea who you know Cooper, who's going to walk if away Cooper with it. Cooper doesn't play. Uh, that's a big, big uh, weapon, and uh, you know Nevada oh, yeah. was able to to stop. You know to, Nevada was able to come back from twenty something points down. Okay, so if you're Nevada, Mark, you're coming into this game. You know you cannot go down twenty points. <laughs> That's a like once in a lifetime you know comeback, so uh, it's it's a big hurdle for them too. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about that game. You know, a number of things happened. 
um, you know, Grace Cooper came out of the game with an injury and she didn't play. Um, but, you know, Cooper's not the one who played offense. Cooper isn't the one who uh, let that comeback happen, right? That that was Minnesota's defense. So the question is, you know, has Minnesota gotten that straightened out um, for this re- for this rematch, right? Are they going to yeah. be – they have to be stout. Now, obviously they know – they know who Nevada is and, and what's coming and they remember what happened and they're not happy about it and they want to get revenge. And I, I think this is a good, uh, I think this is kind of a good situation for, for Minnesota to in a way kind of be a little bit of an underdog, right? Because they took that loss um, earlier in the season, but uh, Minnesota, so does at home. They're going to be in their comfort zone here in the playoffs. And um, I'm going to give Minnesota a slight edge. Yeah, no, slight edge is, is correct. Um, I think if you're Nevada, and we know what Coach Garza is going to do here, I think if you're Nevada, uh, they had really good success with right running the game on the, yep. on the sweeps, mm-hmm. really good success with Marcucci down the middle. They were attacking the, the uh, Minnesota defense late down. So if, you, if, if you're in Nevada – uh, I mean, uh, Felker and Marcucci on offense might be your weapons. On defense, they all play pretty hard defense. So you're, you, if you're in Nevada, you've got to be able to stop uh, everybody else that isn't Cooper. If you stop everybody else that isn't Cooper like they did in the second half, then you got a chance. So uh, that's opportunities right there. Absolutely. And I think another big key, is, I think, for Nevada is uh, – you know, keeping the players on the field, as you as you mentioned, you know they they got a number of players playing both way, and I I know uh, Minnesota does as well this year, but I I I think for Nevada it's you know their key players are are very key. If if any of you know any of them were to go out, um, that that would hurt Nevada I think a lot more than than Minnesota perhaps. So. Uh, Nevada's two-way players have to have to stay on the field, um, I think, to get the job done. Now, if you're uh, if you're Minnesota, Mark, uh, you're going to be relying. If you have no Cooper, you got to rely on Haas. You're going to have to rely on Washington Ware uh, and on Barber. So coming into this matchup, uh, even Radford. So there's there's three other players that are going to have to step up if uh, Grace Cooper doesn't, you know, you know, uh, play. And so they have the weapons on offense. It's going to be how yep. how well will Nevada defense do against Aaron Kelly, and how well will Aaron Kelly go against Nevada defense? So uh, it's really like to your point, it is it is a Nevada home game. I mean Minnesota home game, and this is a big game for them. If they lose at home to Nevada, oh, that's going to be a very heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah, that will that will uh, make for a very disappointing ending of the season for. Minnesota, um, you know, obviously they were in the national championship uh, game last year uh, at the pro level, and they want to get back. You know, they played a competitive game. They got to see the Renegades up close. They're kind of expecting the Renegades to be there this year. They want to have another crack at it. So um, it would certainly be a very disappointing uh, loss for them this weekend if, if they cannot get past Nevada. Um, and to your point, they have the weapons. Um, you know, Radford has been the best uh, receiver 
in the pro division this year. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if, if she gets hot, then, you know, I think the Vixen have a very good chance of winning. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a good matchup. I think that's the one we're going to be watching. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the, uh, for the fans playoff scenario. Uh, Pittsburgh comes in here with nothing to lose. Mark George has had a great season as a rookie. Uh, you had a good running, solid running game, good showing against Boston as well. Tough, tough battles there. Um, is this Kim Shaw's, you know, moment, Candy Thompson's moment? They got to get over the hump here. They, they really have. This is a, this is a, a win. For, they got to get this win because if they don't get this win, we're gonna we're gonna equate it what to their soft schedule and not enough durability for them to you know to get over it. Right. Um, you know, even though. Uh, as you point out, their schedule has not been the most competitive, and um, that's typically kind of been the story for uh, Tampa, just because of where they are geographically. Uh, that being said, I feel like this is probably the best team they've had um, in a very long time. Uh, I think they were better than last year, and you know they have a playoff game that they can win here uh, against a team that's pretty good. Pittsburgh. So um, I, I expect that this will be a close game. Um, I, you know, I, I give the edge to Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, part of that is just reputation of, of the overall, you know, organization. But I really don't want to take anything away from Tampa Bay because they're, they're building uh, an organization um, that's a winner. They have got good athletes. Uh, obviously have a lot of experience um, on their team right now. And um, I think they haven't had any better shot of, of uh, a winner than, than this team right here, to be honest with you. I think this is the best team that they've had in a long time. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying it's, it's a key for them to really step up their game uh, because if they lose here, Mark, we're going to be talking about that week schedule. And how they didn't really, and they didn't really fare well against DC. You know what I mean? And that's a pro team that's as well. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Where, uh, where the Pittsburgh Passion, you know, uh, George Chavez, uh, Fatali, uh, uh, Ariel Smith. You got Jana Meister, which they got to contend with. Uh, Allison uh, Malarski as well. So there's a couple weapons on offense that uh, George has been able to utilize. And this is one of the issues that I think the Inferno is going to have. So if they can do that and take care of it, uh, they got a shot. But uh, it just, it, to me, it looks like I'm edging against, I'm, I'm going with Pittsburgh, unfortunately. Right. I, I think the question, you know, the question for me is, is, you know, how big of a role is George going to have in the game? Uh, not given to her by uh, her coaches, but, what can Tampa Bay do to put all the pressure on George and how will she respond? Um, if, if Tampa Bay, I mean, we know that Tampa Bay has a very good run defense and if they can stop uh, the run, if they can stop Fatali and, you know, some, uh, some of the jet sweeps that, um, that Chavez run, um, if they can stop those and consistently put George position where she has to make a pass to get a, you know, long first down, um, that's what seems like to be the, a good scenario for, for Tampa Bay. Uh, can they execute 
a defensive game plan that will make that happen. That for me, that's the big question. And on the side of Pittsburgh, you know, how does uh, Alyssa George respond to that pressure being a rookie quarterback um, in her first playoff game? Exactly the the big question there, um, Mark. Let's go WNFC Atlantic breakdown. We got 15 minutes. Uh, the elite Spartans here come into this game probably as the favorite, uh, and they're taking on, I believe, Kansas City, if I'm correct, in the Atlantic Conference. Um, I mean, if you're Lauren Crouch, uh, Kiki, Kiki, uh, the coach out there, um, what do you do different, or do you do anything different at this point? Well, I think, you know, defensively, uh, they saw some success against the Spartans, and so they want to accentuate whatever whatever they've determined worked in that game and then come up with something for the second half that will allow them to continue to do that. Offensively, I don't know how they're going to figure this out. Um, um, I, I, think, I think I said last week that, you know, somebody on the glory offense really has to step up and, uh, like, take control and just try and take over that game offensively. Um, they need to keep that ball away from the Spartans. So, you know, I don't know how, who, you know, who's going to spearhead that. Uh, but they need to find a way to get it done. They need to find a way to advance the ball uh, and chew up clock so that they can keep the ball out of the Spartans' hands and uh, put up some, some points on the board. And that's, I mean, that's it. Right Obviously now. a tall order. It has to uh, right at this as we speak right now. Uh, I'm agreeing with you. This is this this game. If they have a shot, has to be one on defense, and that's going to be up to Snowden, Lee, Capello, Rosa, Childress, Shield. Uh, they're going to have to play their best game of their life <laughs> against OG and company, <laughs> and and against Landry. And I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's just it's it, you know Bushman and company once they get going. And, and Hyman, they got the receivers, right? Uh, it's, it doesn't look pretty. Every third yeah. quarter that we've seen so far, uh, seems like the bear awakens after halftime. So, I mean, we saw That's Mississippi right. go for two quarters, Washington two quarters. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't look it doesn't look pretty. And can they do it is the question. And it's gonna if the Glory have a shot. The offense has to play literally perfect ball, and the defense has to play lights out ball. That's right. I mean, basically, both squads have to do their part to try and keep the elite off the board, right? Yep. I mean, yep. I mean the glory's not going to somehow come out and win this game like by by two or three touchdowns, right? I mean, if if the nope. glory going to win, it's going to be like it's going to be like a one point game or something like that. Right. Or maybe, you know, at most yeah. like one score, uh, you know, that, that's just how I, you know, I see it happening. So it's, it's got to be a ball control game for the glory. Mark, and Mark, if it, is, it, if it sad, isn't. Is it sad that we're not even talking elite Spartans here? <laughs> we're not even talking elite Spartans here. We're literally, we're literally uh, game planning with the glory. Is that, right. is that what we're doing? <laughs> we're That's literally gambling. Do. I mean, 
Yeah, all we've got to say is that, you know, the, the key to the Spartans game is to just do what they do. And if they do what they normally do, they're going to win. And if they don't, well, maybe they'll lose, but maybe they'll still win. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. the game plan is just do is just do what they do. There's, there's, I mean, you know, it's not even Alabama deeper than that. Game plan, if you take the Alabama game plan, Mark, uh, you have a shot. <laughs> if you don't do the punt, you know, the, the miss yep. the field goal, you take the game, you take the Alabama game plan. If you're Kansas City, maybe you have a shot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that's uh, that, that's pretty much it. You know, yeah. kind of a you know low scoring game. You know, not you know wasn't they they stopped the Spartans from having an explosive offensive display, and that's the number one thing that you got to do if you're going to have a chance. So you're absolutely right. I mean, that's that's kind of basically the game plan. Yeah, take the take that game plan and uh, try to execute it as best as you can and uh, limit the offense's uh, you know uh, production and you have a shot. So, um, Mark, this game right here is a hatred game. This is a rivalry game. This is the same thing we said about Denver and Vegas last week. Uh, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Alabama. It would be. I mean, if you're Alabama, you want nothing better to bounce Atlanta out of the playoffs. Literally nothing. And then if you're Alabama, Mark, do you not want to go up against the Spartans in one game to the nine-cup final? This is a, I, I think this is the wish. Yeah, I mean, I, when I look at all these matchups, I, I, I get the feeling like this is really going to be – this is going to be a slugfest, right? Uh, like, as oh, yeah. you say, these are two teams that know each other really well. Um, you know, they're – they and they both they, they want to destroy each other, so uh, this makes for a really really great um, quarterfinal matchup. We talked about uh, wanting to watch Minnesota Nevada. This is I think this is the game if this weekend. Not to disrespect everybody else, but I think this is the game. Right, seven zero week one. Right, Alabama loses by seven, <laughs> twenty nine yep. to zero week. So what the third the third matchup of their of their game? So uh, I think they understand that thirty thirty uh, <laughs> twenty nine to zero blowout is not going to happen again. And then Alabama coming off that twenty one to twenty loss to the Spartans. I, I think if you're Alabama and they have their defensive uh, guru now back in form, which is K K Mitchell back in form running that defense, do you not think K understands how? You know, this is so important. Uh, I think she does. <laughs> and I think this, oh, yeah. this Alabama team, you know, this Alabama team is really going to have to, you know, play as good as they played against the Spartans, and I think they, they get the W. Um, can you stop Renee Langlis? Can, you know, uh, Walker and Brittany Smith and uh, Melise Brown, Brandy Pringle, I mean, they, they have the second half mark, this team has really – started to come together in terms of the Phoenix. So it's Alabama. I think, uh, you know, if you're Alabama, this is a different team than what you saw in the two matchups. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really good point, Oscar. I mean, uh, actually these are two, both different teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So that makes it like even more interesting and uh, a little bit unpredictable. Um, you know, it, my gut tells me that, you know, the teams are probably closer than, you know, what we saw 
um, in their previous matchup. And so, you know, it, it, it might be a game that, um, you know, finishes with, um, you know, one score, maybe 10, uh, 12 points, something like that. So, um, you know, ex- expecting – I'm expecting kind of a low-scoring game. Do, how do you feel about that? Do you agree? I think uh, given what I see right now, uh, I'm disagreeing because Alabama goes from a 29-0 whipping, right? Then they go up against Texas, and they get edged by one on that mistake, right? And then they turn mm-hmm. around and completely – I guess they were pissed off that they lost to the Spartans, and they just – routed Florida 70 to seven. Okay. And they've had what a week and a half of game planning. Uh, I think of Billingsley and Smith and Woodward. Those are the two, the three names that you got to watch out for. If they play their game, like they know they can, uh, I think Atlanta's in for a surprise. Okay. That's, (laughs) this makes it real juicy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Kelly Smith, but, I mean, uh, nine touchdowns on rushing, five touchdowns on, uh, in terms of uh, Mary Woodward, five touchdowns on receiving. And they've, they're basically they've played their last three matchups, Mark, so aggressively in terms of, like, just, you know, good football. I know it's Florida, the Avengers, right? You put 70, but they did almost mm-hmm. beat the Spartans. So maybe they're just a little enthusiastic about this. But, you know, if you're Alabama – uh, this is your shot, right? You want to go face the Spartans once more to prove that you can beat them. You have to get through Atlanta. Yep, yep. The team that you know handed them two uh, goose eggs in the regular season. So it's definitely storybook stuff. It's it's really awesome. Um, you know, I just have a hard time thinking that uh, the Phoenix, with the way their defense has just dominated all season long. Yep. You're going to give up more, you know, more than, say, like 14 points, you know. But we'll see. I, 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 this is going to end up being like a 21-14 uh, type of game, um, 17-14, something like that. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna take. Uh, I, I would say if, 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 if the Phoenix play their game and they slow down the clock and they compress it down like they've done in the, in the first two matchups they win. If the defense, in terms of, I mean, if the Alabama offense gets going, uh, first two quarters will tell us exactly how this game is going to turn out. But, uh, I mean, given the history, you would have to go with the Phoenix, right, because they've owned them. So, I mean, it's Alabama's uh, moment to, to shock us, basically. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, you know, Phoenix's game to lose, the, you know, their game to lose. Uh, you know, they've, they've done everything right so far this season. And um, if things go wrong here, uh, really disappointing ending. Wow, Mark, this, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I already got my popcorn uh, slurpee and everything ready for this weekend. <laughs> and it's three days right. before this weekend. I mean, we don't even have, it's like, we don't even have to wait till the weekend. You know, we got Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but I, I don't know. But it's, this, this is this is a great football. And then we and I'm sorry, everybody, we didn't talk about Sweden, Finland. I did I did tease that, but we ran out of time. So you can go to the hub, get your get your fix right there at the hub, get all the lowdown and everything that's happening at the hub. So 
Uh, but, Mark, uh, awesome. Uh, we got to be out of here. <laughs> we got a minute to get out of here. Thanks for coming in. Looking forward to this weekend, Mark. WFA, uh, pro clashes. Uh, I'm looking forward to Minnesota, Nevada, and definitely looking to forward to Atlanta, Alabama. Uh, me too. Have a have, Enjoy yourself, Oscar. <laughs> Thanks, Mark, for coming in. Uh, okay, guys, for the option, Holly Custis, who's playing this weekend, Mac playing this weekend, Lister playing this weekend, go get the W, people. Go get the W. Have a great night, everybody. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.